You know, it's sad. Two months off, and uh, I really don't even know how to start the show anymore. <laughs> it's just been so fucking long. But I will try my best. really good what is this are you trying to trick me wait just wait when's it get good what's up there little homie i ready to do this yeah man i'm ready in this world if you can't swim you found the dress out. and if you fall you better pick your punk ass up that's right and the rest of y'all want that ready don't cut him no slack Hey, break yo! You're going nowhere! What? I got you for three minutes! Three minutes of heat time! You got no backup here. I'm calling it Veronica. Veronica, give me a hand. Y'all fools get busy. Three. Clobbering time. Hey there, hello, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. This is the Dallas Podcast. If this is your first time joining in. I greatly appreciate you. If you're a returning listener, hey, thanks for coming back. As always, I am the Elder Dadless, one of the co-hosts of the show. Today I am rolling solo, just trying to get some just trying to get something back on the books so we can get the ball rolling. I do have an interesting true crime case that I'd like to talk about today, which I hope you enjoy. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is very gory. Some of the details are very gruesome or very grim. So again, you know, be forewarned. I mean, for the context of the case, you know, I am just reading it as a educational purposes. I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to gross anybody out or anything like that. I'm not trying to upset anybody. You know, I'm trying to do something special. It's been a whole two months off life kind of happened and um just trying to re-up on some episodes you know what i mean so i will start off saying that today's case is going to be about the cannibal rapper big lurch and chalino sanchez 21 year old tynesha sias never thought about the danger she and her boyfriend were rooming with aspiring musician antron single i'm from texas boy the six foot six inch rapper nicknamed Big Lurch not only smoked PCP, he sings odes to its power. A power that finally overwhelmed him. Big Lurch, aka Antron Singleton, is currently serving a life sentence in prison without the possibility of parole for murdering his then roommate, Tynesha Size, and, trigger warning, eating parts of her body. Hence the cannibal rapper. Singleton was born on the east side of Dallas, Texas, and at the age of seven years old, he began writing poetry, and this is when he began a pursuit of a rap career. The rapper began performing in early 1990 and rapped under the name G. Spade, but later changed his name to Big Lurch after earning the nickname from Nubin Sawyer, an acquaintance of the rapper. And this was due to his intimidating figure, being that he was very slim and that he stood six foot seven inches tall, reminiscent of the character Lurch from The Addams Family. Only one day after his 24th birthday, on September 16th of 2000, Singleton was driving his car when he was struck by a drunk driver head-on, resulting in his neck being broken. 
While in the hospital, he was heavily medicated, and after being released from the hospital, he had trouble walking and was still in pain for quite some time. Singleton went on to admit in rhyme and punishment that he began using PCP to ease his pain, because this is what he found alleviated him. Which is always kind of a bad choice. On April 10th of 2002, the then 25-year-old rapper allegedly murdered his roommate, Sanisha Size, in her apartment, located in Los Angeles, California. The victim was found in her apartment by a friend. Her chest had been torn open and a three-inch blade was found broken off in her scapula. Teeth marks were found on her face and lungs, which had been torn from her chest. A night witness reports that when Singleton was picked up by the police, he was naked standing in a pool of blood in the middle of the road. A medical examination performed shortly after his capture found human flesh in his stomach, which Singleton claims was his own. Although it was a small amount, the victim's boyfriend, who was also a roommate of Singleton's, said that the two had been using PCP the day before the alleged murder took place. I mean, it was uh, a situation that went awry, possibly. Singleton said that the last thing he had remembered before the murder was thinking that the world was ending and that he had to find and kill the devil. Don't we all? While Singleton awaited trial for the murder, Sai's mother, Carolyn Stinson, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Singleton, stress-free records, and death row records. The suit charges that the label had provided Singleton with the drugs to encourage him to act out in extreme violent manner so that as to make him seem more marketable as his persona. Part of what makes a gangster rap artist marketable is the fact that the artist is participating in violent activities or activities that would accentuate the characteristics of the rap name or the given moniker. Death Row was later dropped from the lawsuit after it was determined that the label had no connection to Singleton or stress-free records. Tanisha's mother, Carolyn Stinson, would later go on record to say that she didn't think that Singleton had done it at all. Quote, Her boyfriend was a gang member. I believe he's the one who set all this up. He was beating on her for quite some time, and she had packed all her stuff. She was ready to leave, and this was the day that it all happened, Stinson said. Unquote. She believed that her daughter was murdered and had her chest torn open by her boyfriend, and Singleton found her lung on the floor and began to eat it, thinking it was a piece of meat. This is where the controversy starts to come into play. I mean, not only because of um, Sai's mother and her claims, but also Singleton made the same claims, saying, quote, they got me high on purpose to take advantage of me. It's not the first time that they had done it before, unquote. Stinson went on to say that the bottle of PCP had been poured down her daughter's throat and Singleton's as well, and that they hadn't smoked it willingly as it was forced upon them. The police had told her that with the amount of PCP in her system, it wouldn't have been possible for her to smoke that much. Trigger warning, this is when it does get real fucking violent. It is alleged that the murder was committed with a child's scooter and a bloody handprint was found on the scooter that did not belong to either parties. Tooth marks that were found on the body as well did not match Singleton. Singleton later suggested that they could have belonged to the dogs. As well, a single strange shoe sitting at the back door was found. The murder took place in a dope house, but according to Singleton, all of the guns and drugs had been moved from the house prior to the incident. Singleton was defended by his manager who advised him to claim insanity. In California, you cannot claim insanity if you willingly took the substance that led you to commit the act that you were on trial for. But based on the claims made by Sai's uh, mother and by Singleton, the substance would have been forced upon uh, both parties. The rapper believes that his manager, then lawyer, set him up for his own personal gain. Quote, Grimes could have gotten a mistrial. Instead, he said Lurch did. Grimes distanced himself from me and made a deal with the DA for another case he wanted to have favors on. Oddly enough, 
A little more than half a year after Big Lurch was sentenced, a California court ordered Milton Grimes to pay $1.2 million to the mother of a man fatally shot by a Gardenia police officer. Singleton was unhappy with his defense and had this to say about his trial. Quote, make the jury hate the defendant and the jury will convict. The teeth marks on Tanisha's body didn't match mine at all. My lawyer Milton Grimes didn't say that in the court. There wasn't any deliberation. There wasn't even an hour. Lyrics from Singleton's tracks, I Did It To You, were used against him in court as well. On the track, Singleton raps about murder, torture, and people such as Jason Voorhees and Jeffrey Dahmer for shock value. While Singleton was in prison, his record label released both his debut album, It's All Bad, making the album cover a picture of him holding a skull on a platter, and released a documentary about him called Drugs Made Me Do It, both done without his permission or without his knowledge. Below is a long quote from Singleton on what had happened on trial. Quote, I was signed to Milton Grimes' label, stress-free records. He was also my lawyer, so I trusted him. Grimes never said that there was a pit bull in the dope house with us. Matter of fact, Grimes went on Geraldo's show and played an unreleased songs of mine called Texas Boy. They brought up the song like it was a blueprint for the murder, and the jury just went with it. Grimes didn't even let me have decent clothes to wear in court. Grimes had me looking like Hannibal Lecter, probably on purpose. There's not even any proof that I actually did the murder. We started smoking the PCP and they just kept feeding it to me, forcing it on me. The next thing I remember, I woke up in jail with a murder charge. My prints weren't on the weapon. It was a dope house. They didn't find no dope in the dope house. We were on Figueroa. We were heavily armed in there. We had all kinds of guns up in there, but when the police came to the spot, there wasn't no guns up in there anymore. The gangbangers cleaned the spot out. Grimes had me pleading insanity because I was high on PCP and he knew you can't use drugs to claim insanity in California. He threw me under the bus. Grimes didn't even get me a statement from Tanisha's mother, Carolyn, and she was willing to take the stands and say I was set up. Tanisha's mother, Carolyn Simpson, came to visit me when I was locked up in Twin Towers. She told me she knew I was set up and that she had forgiven me." Unquote. Now here is the part of the case where we do start getting into the finer points of what is known. Antron Singleton was found roaming the streets covered in blood. Human flesh was also found in his stomach. He was given life in prison without the possibility of parole for murdering and cannibalizing Tanisha Size, allegedly. He claims that he did not murder Tanisha Size and that he was set up by her boyfriend. Singleton said that the last thing he remembers before the murder was thinking that the world was ending and that he had to find and kill the devil. Tanisha had her bags packed ready to leave her boyfriend's because he had been beating her. A bloody handprint was found on the murder weapon, bloody fingerprints and footprints, as well as teeth marks on the body, and a shoe at the back door was found at the crime scene, none of which belonged to Singleton. There was a pit bull in the house which was not mentioned in the trial. The victim's mother filed a lawsuit against Singleton's record label claiming that they were supplying him with PCP to make him more violent. She believed that he didn't do it. Singleton and the mother claimed that he and the victim had been fed the PCP rather than smoking it. Singleton was defended by his manager, who he claims lost the trial on purpose. Singleton says his lawyer knowingly pled insanity when he knew that it was impossible and did not file for a mistrial and threw the trial away in order to gain favor on another case. Singleton's lyrics were used against him in court. And after being in prison, his record label released both his debut album, It's All Bad, making the album cover a picture of him holding a skull on a platter, and released a documentary about him called Drugs Made Me Do It, both done without his permission or without his knowledge. 
Uh, some of the sources for the write-up also include the LA Times, uh, the Chicago Tribune, um, Hollywood Street Kings, Rhyme and Punishment, uh, as well as DJ Vlad, who is also on YouTube as well. Some of the other notes that they have from a study done by the coroner's office, the bloody footprints matched the tread of the shoe that were left at the back door. There was also a bloody bare footprint that was found at the crime scene. The chest looks like it was cut open with a knife, which could explain the knife that was found inside Tanisha's chest. Singleton did not have much blood on him, as you might have expected. Looking at the contents of Singleton's pump stomach, it looks like he may have taken two big bites of the lung, but nothing more than that. The victim was found with pants and underwear removed. Sperm was found in the victim using sexual assault kit, though it was not profiled. The evidence wasn't used, which is fucking ridiculous. Lethal amounts of PCP were found in Singleton and the victim's blood, and there was also a bloody t-shirt on the ground next to the victim at the scene of the crime. On November 7th of 2003, Singleton was sentenced to life in prison. He had been convicted of murder and aggravated mayhem. The previous June, after pleading not guilty by reason of insanity at the time of murder, the court ruled that his intoxication and plea of insanity were not satisfactory reasons for committing the crime. As we move along, another case that I'd like to focus on, Chalino Sanchez was a singer-songwriter from Mexico who became just a polarizing voice um, in the genre of narcoridos. His music became popular after his assassination in 1992. Well, fuck me if he didn't become popular after he died. He's regarded as one of the earliest examples of music artistry glorifying drug trafficking in uh, his lyrical content. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry if this write-up just sounds not too great. Hey there guys, real quick, this is the Elder Dadalus, co-host of the Dallas Podcast. Today, I'm here to tell you a little something about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and let me go ahead and explain. First of all, it is free, there's no upfront cost, it doesn't cost anything. It's a great way to get started. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer, literally if you're on the go, if you're at school, if you are hiding in the restroom while you're at work, if you're stalking your ex-girlfriend. You can literally make a podcast from anywhere. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming platforms. Hey, great way to get it out, right? You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That means that your Uncle Randy, who was twice removed, can help you make a buck, or a creepy Father John, who you chose to stop talking to for many reasons, can even help you make a buck. It's that simple. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get back to the show. Let's get into who Chalino Sanchez was. Rosalino Chalino Sanchez was a Mexican singer-songwriter who became popular for singing about narcoridos in his style of celebrating Mexico's drug and gang culture. <laughs> Born in the 1960s, Chalino was raised with several siblings in a village of Sinaloa, Mexico. After his father died when Chalino was just six, he was soon forced to become the man of the house. 
At the age of 15, his sister Juana, trigger warning, was raped by a local mafioso, resulting in Chalino later taking revenge and killing the man. And to escape the authorities, he fled to California and stayed with his aunt in Los Angeles. He worked a number of jobs to support himself and his family. He even had a stint as a coyote, smuggling people across the U.S. border. In 1984, Chalino Sanchez married Maricela Vallejos and went on to have two children by the names of Adan and Cynthia Sanchez. After his brother had died in Tijuana, Mexico, later that year, Chalino was also sentenced to eight months in prison for a range of petty crimes and other convictions. Throughout his grief, during his time in jail, Chalino Sanchez practiced his musical abilities and shared stories among other Sinaloans that were there in the prison with him. He did so in the form of specific Sinaloan song styles known as corridos, historically used to recall heroic tales from Mexican revolutionaries and infamous bandits. You're not famous, you're infamous. If you get that fucking reference, I love you. It's a great reference. That's the Three Amigos. Martin Short, Steve Martin, Chevy Chase. It's a great movie. He <laughs> got sidetracked. Chalino started earning money from his performances and was gifted with guns and other presents from his fellow inmates who tasked him with composing. Chalino recorded a cassette of 15 songs and began selling his tapes from the trunk of his car all across the Los Angeles area before meeting Pedro Rivera, who had a small recording studio. It's just a closet. It's a closet in his house. The pair collaborated and eventually became some of the first and most famous musicians to sing Narcoridos. They went on to perform at Southland clubs as the popularity grew amongst the Latino community in Los Angeles, thanks to Chalino's cadence and the Sinaloa slang. One of his most memorable performances was in 1992, in Coachella, ay chingon in Coachella, when a local man jumped on stage and began firing a pistol at not only Chalino, but at a crowd of 400 people who were attending the show. Chalino grabbed a 10mm pistol from his waistband and began exchanging gunfire, which resulted in both men needing surgery and left both in critical condition. Seven to ten civilians were reportedly hit during the exchange before the original shooter was shot in the mouth with his own pistol after being wrestled to the ground by a bystander. That's fucking crazy. That's taking the term, like, in Losico, that's taking it way too fucking literal. <laughs> they, fucking, they shot him in the mouth. Or he shot himself. He was forced to shoot himself. I don't know. After the incident, his sales shot up, no pun intended, and Chalino began to gain more publicity, resulting in his music getting some more airplay. Now, this last part is going to focus more on the events surrounding the death of Chalino Sanchez. Around four months after the pivotal Coachella shooting, where there was also a CGI performance of Tupac and Easy, Chalino played an exclusive gig in Culiacán at the Salon Bugavillas. After a hugely successful performance on May 16th of 1992, he left the club with his two brothers, his cousins, and several young women. Armed men with supposed state police identification cards pulled the group over in his Chevrolet Suburban and took one of his brothers. 
After convincing Cellino that the commander wanted to see him, the men convinced the singer to join them in their vehicle while the other cars followed. Hours later, his body was found dumped by an irrigation canal near the neighborhood of Los Loures, Culiacán. Chalino was found with two gunshot wounds to the back of his head after he was blindfolded and his wrists were bound by rope. Despite being nearly three decades after his untimely death, Chalino had continued to amass millions of streams. His music and influences continued to gain popularity among Hispanic and Latino communities, both young and old. During the event in Culiacán, Four months after the initial shooting, at his prior performance, Chalino reportedly received a note that caused his complexion to change. That show was a success, but things turned awry after Chalino and his crew had left the party. Chalino's entourage was reportedly intercepted by armed state officers. During the 1992 events that took place in Culiacán, it is, it is well documented that during the performance, um, there is a, a sort of intermission where the band is, you know, continued playing and a man approaches Chalino Sanchez on stage and hands him a note. And in this moment, uh, Chalino unfolds the note, reads it, and, and it is said that he was given a death note. And, and I don't mean like the manga or the anime. I mean, I mean they gave him, uh, they, he was handed a death sentence and it is visible and clear uh, during footage that has resurfaced as of late. He proceeds to just have a banger of a fucking show and following those events, when he leaves the club, when he's told that this commander wants to see him, when he's followed by these vehicles, this is all. This was ultimately the death sentence. He knew, he knew, and he was told that if he didn't stop performing and he didn't leave town immediately, he was going to be killed. And this is in regards to um, prior connections that Sanchez had with the cartel and with other mafiosos, um, you know, during his time coming up as a, as a young artist. It is alleged that Chalino's connection to the drug cartels led to his early demise, and since his death, many other big-name Nacorido singers have been murdered as well. One, for example, is Sergio Gomez. And there have been other reported murders as early as 2013, in connection to the genre, and to the artists uh, involved in the genre of, of music. It is assumed that the issue is, to be a Nacorido artist, you have to be involved with the drug culture, and everything associated with it. This is also something, an example to like uh, trapping and, and, you know, trap rappers. It, it really is a, an outwards personification of the, of the act, of the intent of what the artist is doing. You're, you're not playing a role. It's not a costume. It is very much a lifestyle and you are just outwardly reflecting that to people. As a storyteller, you are telling them what you are doing. Um, one could say that once you start dealing with cartels, though, there is no guarantee that you'll make it out alive. You know, ultimately, this was what happened to Chalino Sanchez. Chalino's violent background and passion for music made him the perfect person to popularize Narcoridos and its culture. He drew from others' experiences and his own to come up with the violence glorifying lyrics. The songs were a massive hit, and they still are, but their connection to the actions of ruthless drug cartels and dangerous artists participating in the genre and its lifestyles. Chalino and others have paid for it with their lives, but it doesn't deter young artists from creating and performing Narcoridos to this day. A little inside baseball being that I just got done talking about uh, Chalino Sanchez and his death. Uh, I keep having to pause because next door there is a banda that is tuning up right now. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be able to hear it in the audio. Well, thank you guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Like I said, I've been wanting to focus on true crime for quite some time. You know, ultimately my end goal will be um, a more in-depth reporting 
of uh, the case and controversy surrounding Selena Quintanilla and her murder. I'm looking forward to that, you know, in terms of how this goes, being that, uh, you know, I focus on not only Big Lurch, but I also focus on the life and murder of uh, Chalina Sanchez. Ultimately, it's, it's kind of a trilogy right now. So I, I hope I do a good job. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's been something that I've, I've been wanting to do. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I am the Elder Dadless, and I will hopefully see you guys soon down the road. Thank you.